Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This is Jill. Do you think that you have too many bills in life, or perhaps that you're not making enough money, or you just wonder how could you save for all the dream things you always wanted to have? That's what we'll talk about today. Too many people spend money they earn to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. Will Rogers. I stumbled across a really great book recently, and it's by Tiffany Alish, the budget nista, and her book is called Get Good With Money. I have a history of hating anything to do with budgeting, anything to do with dealing with money. I spent so much of my life poor and not being able to pay my bills and having bills come my way and wondering, oh no, what am I going to do about it? For a decade after that time, I was still nervous every time I talked about money. You just asked my friends. They'd bring up something like, hey, Jill, wouldn't it be great to have an emergency saving? And I'd be like, don't talk to me about the emergency saving. I can't handle it right now. It's just how I operated. And it took a while and I finally got over those things. I finally am able to talk about money in a very logical way, which is great. All my past bad dealings with money finally settled out and I'm finally able to gain some perspective about it. This book is really great. I wish I read it decades ago. It would have saved me a lot of pain and it would have explained to me a very viable way where I could keep track of my money, keep track of my bills and figure out what was going wrong in my life. This book is just great. It's written in a friendly way. It explains things in a very natural human method. And I just really like everything about this book. And I think she's great. It has everything from creating a decent budget to figuring out how to save money, to figuring out how to invest money and get started with that, to insurance, everything. She covers a lot of ground. And I found this book easy to read and pleasurable to read. She starts off the book talking about some of the mistakes that she made when she was younger. She said, I'm literally yelling at 20-something Tiffany right now. Why? No. And I think a lot of us have that experience where we look at some other version of ourselves and wonder, oh, why did I do that back then? It's because we learn and we get better skills. She says one of the things that you can do, first of all, when it comes to money is to surround yourself with positive reinforcements. And that means set up everything in such a way that it helps you get what you want to do. She says, don't freak out about the money mistakes that you've made, that you're making. She said that you should be what she calls a towel person. A towel person looks at a bunch of spilled water on the floor. They don't freak out. They get a towel. They wipe it up. The towel takes care of it and it's over with. No freaking out. Be a towel person. And initially, she wants you to look back at what really influenced you in their money and the consequences of it. It's hard to get a better relationship with money without really understanding what it means to us and how it affects our moods and our emotions. And she says it's not magic. She even said that the point of this isn't really to get rich. It isn't even to retire early. It's about becoming a solid person who has a good relationship with money the rest will fall in line. So that first part about understanding what your influences are with money, a lot of time that comes from our family early on. Sometimes we come from families that have a good relationship with money. Other times we come from families that have really bad runs. My earliest memories is that my parents never had money for the bills. It seemed like 
no matter how much relatives helped us, no matter how much a paycheck came in, immediately we were poor again. We couldn't pay our bills, fretting about how we were going to pay our bills, fretting about how we were going to pay our taxes. It was always stressful. So it's no wonder that when you asked me about what my opinions about money were, it was unhappiness, fear. It was all I could think about with money. And I never really thought about the future. There's no future with money. There is just surviving today's bills. That's not healthy. And so that's where she talks about trying to figure out exactly the role money's image plays in our own brain. Her first chapter is really talking about the basics of budgeting. And budgeting is a downright scary word. It tends to make me think of, well, there goes all my fun. There's no more cool things I'm going to have. There's no more cool experiences I'm going to have. That is the wrong way to look about money because what you're trying to do with budgeting is just get an honest view of where you're at. That's all it is. Don't freak out. And that's what she's saying. Her budgeting system is so low key. It is not about driving every dollar into a registry, becoming an accountant, having a ledger. It is about categorizing all the money coming in and all the money going out, and then figuring out some basic ideas when it comes to your own budget. She said that you can write it down, you can type it out, you can automate it if you have some sort of an app or some method of doing that, whatever system you like. But budgeting is an active task. It's not like you're going to figure out your budget and then you're done. You're never done. But if you do it slowly and you do it reliably, it's not going to be a problem. She points out that the way that I used to do budgeting wasn't really budgeting at all. I would think, well, let's see, I'm going to get this amount of money in. I have to spend this amount of money on food. I'm going to have to drive my car this amount of money. The rest is mine and I can do whatever I want. That's not how budgeting works. It's a general framework about what your money looks like. But she says, quote, you can do better. A better budget is built from the bricks of facts and figures about your finance. She said that there is good news when it comes to budgeting, that we already have everything we need and know everything we already know to create our very first budget. It's time that we get a close relationship with our money and not just treat it as some sort of a terror in our lives. It is now about knowledge, and she says knowledge is power. So the first step in her making a budget is what she calls make a money in list. And that's all the money that comes in, right? Of course, you get a salary. There may be some other kinds of income out there. Writing it all down. Maybe you get a bonus every year or maybe you get some kind of a payout from some settlement every year. Write down all the money coming into your house, even the rare and somewhat surprise money that comes in. Then comes the money out list. And those are gonna be all the expenses we have. You know, you can think about what you spend for your car and your house and what it costs to live on a day-to-day basis and basic clothes that you need to get, what credit card bills you might have, anything like that. And think about, too, the things that don't happen that often. Maybe Christmas, that's an expense going out. You know, types of memberships, periodic things that come in. Try to think about those details. The nice thing about it is a lot of the banks that are out there have that all recorded for you. My bank even has a way that you can take your last year's worth of spending and download it into an Excel spreadsheet. That makes it really easy to use and really easy to start sorting it out. 
Most credit cards as well also keep track of the various spendings that you have. So it's very easy information to get. She says that you can even remember the fun things, the types of clubs you have, the streaming accounts you have. Do you buy flowers for yourself? Do you go out with your friends? Try to capture everything. I think when I look at budgeting or I look at where my money is going, the thing that's always easiest for me to forget are the things that are subscriptions. Nice thing is, is that many of these systems have ways for you to keep track of them. So you can see exactly when they're going to renew, when they're going to come back up again, so that you can plan for those expenditures. And now we have to calculate how much each of these expenses cost on a monthly basis. For example, if you have to take your cat to the vet every year and it costs $120, that's going to be $10 a month out, right? So everything gets calculated on a per monthly basis. Pretty easy. So now we know that we have to put in this invisible fund so that our cat can go to the vet every May or that every Christmas we have money to buy gifts. We have to break it down into those smaller bits. Then she said is the tears and tissue time. Step number four is to calculate your beginning of the month savings. And she said this is where you have to, quote, face the music. She says this is where you have to be nice to yourself. Provide a nice environment. She says you can light a candle, create a soothing environment for you to get this done. This is going to be stressful because now you've added all the money going in. You've added all the money that's going out on a monthly basis. And so now you have to subtract out and figure out what's left over. How much can you start saving? And she says once all of this is done, she says you did it. You created your first budget. And now we have something honest that we can work with. This exposes exactly where you stand when it comes to money. She said that in this whole process, the superpower is moving forward. The next step, she says, is to assign categories to all the expenses. Three different categories. Bs, those are bills. That's going to be things like credit cards, loans, utilities. These are both reoccurring, she says, and standing bills that you have. Rent, mortgage, anything. Okay. And the reason that these go into the same category together is because you have little control over them. Do have some control. We'll talk about that later. But for the most part, it's hard to bring these down unless you have a lot of activity in front of you. Then the next step is that you're going to determine things like user fees. This is like gas in your car, the water bills, anything that is based on your usage. And they're still considered bills. She calls them UBs for usage bills because most of those are important. And even if you can slow them down a little bit, maybe not drive so much, you can control some of the money, but you have only a medium level of control over them. Then the last comes in as what she calls C for cash. These are the expenditures that don't necessarily mean anything in particular. They're not a bill. Oftentimes, they're not something that you have to do. And it's going to be things like getting food, getting your hair cut, having entertainment. And while you do need some food, you have a high level of control about how much money goes into this particular category. So now, once you have placed all of your bills into these types of categories, you have some place to go with analyzing exactly what's going on. 
She says, now that you have the categories, take a look at how much money is going into each of them. She says, if most of your money is going into B, bills, and UB, usage bills, that probably means you don't make enough money. There's not a lot you can do with it, and the bills are killing you. There's some negotiations you can do. There's some limiting you could do, but you don't have a lot of control about that. If most of your expenditures are coming from the C category, you're spending too much. That is a flexible type of money. You can usually control how much money goes into those things. So now with this type of categorization, you can see exactly what's going wrong in your bills. And she said, when you start going through this C list, this is where you have to go through it with a very detailed look. These are the expenses, if it's all cash, that's getting you down. And that means that you might not go out to eat as much as you used to do. Maybe it means you're going to cancel some subscriptions that you have, hopefully the ones that you don't use very much. But sometimes it's painful and you have to cancel ones that you do use or reduce the ones that you don't use so much. I had cable. I had all the channels. I had every channel. I had the best internet. And that bill was really taking me down quite a bit. And you know what I did? I did what a lot of people do. I cut the cord. I got rid of cable. I don't have any more channels. Everything I did was streaming and it reduced my bill by two thirds. It took some getting used to that first couple of months. I sat there going, well, what am I going to watch now? And you know what? I started doing other things too. For one, which was good because I did want to get away from watching so much television, but I was able to watch everything that I really wanted to watch while still saving myself two thirds of the money I was spending there. Crazy amount of money every month to spend on cable. You can even do things like bring lunch to work if you're going into the office. I see people eat out every day. I think it's hard if you're someone who's trying to control your weight, but it's really hard if you're trying to control your spending too. It is the double whammy. I used to date this fellow and he was hilarious because all he ever did was complain about how broke we were and how overweight we were. And I thought, yeah, and all you want to do is eat out, which is the exact example of what's bad for both of those things. Eating out is terrible if you're losing weight and if you're broke. So there are some things that you can do. I just even notice that half the time when I look at the subscriptions I have, whether it's through my phone or through streaming or other things, I'm able to just lop off a bunch of those things. And that really just soaks up so much money that you don't even realize it's month after month. You get caught. Oh, this is only $14. This is only $3. This is only $50 a year. But you know what? That stuff adds up. And particularly when you look at them together, it really adds up. She even talks about when you're looking at your bills, looking at ways of saving some of your usage. Are you using too much water by watering your garden too often? Are you soaking up so much energy because of your really old appliances? Or is your car using a ton of gas? There are ways that you can cut out a lot of money just by improving some of the utilities you have to bring those UB those usage bills down. And then she said that if it gets down to where you're going to have to do the B changes, which are the bill changes, sometimes those are painful. That might include refinancing your home. I did that last year. It saved me a ton of money. It may be that your house is too big. I know some people bought really large houses in their lives and either their situations have changed or they just picked something that was too big, something that was too expensive. Maybe a car that was too expensive or a house that was too expensive. Can those bills be reduced 
by picking something more appropriately sized. She said that if you're really tight on money, this is just not going anywhere and there's just no way that you can do it. Sometimes you do crazy stuff like surrender the thing. She talked about a time where her husband surrendered the car. It was terrible. It was painful. But in the long term, it saved them a lot of money. She says, call your insurance companies. Call all the different types of services you have. Call your gym. See if there's a better situation you can get into. She says when you're analyzing whether or not you should pay any given bill, if you're that far behind and you can't pay all your bills, she says to ask the following question, quote, if I don't pay this thing, am I going to be unhealthy or unsafe? That answer will tell you all you need to know about which bills you need to pay for first. So it's important that you get those paid. If the cable company is going to be angry with you if you don't pay them, I'm not saying don't pay them, but maybe they go last because nothing bad will happen to you if the cable company is mad at you. But if you lose your insurance, if some other medical bill that you have comes along, that's maybe the one that you have to keep right away. And then she said the worst thing you could do if you're really underwater in your budget is go dark. Keep in communication with your creditors. If you owe a lot of money on the house or on a car or on a credit card, keep in communication with the people who lent you money. It sounds scary because it's easy just to ignore all the people emailing you and saying, you should pay us money. It is scary, but she says they're not the mafia. Stay calm about it. Know that, you know, you're working on it and let them know that you are trying to get this in order. They will get their money. They may have to wait, but you're doing this in a proper order. And a lot of times they will give you some grace. There's a lot of flexibility there. But if you go quiet, that's when they're going to go after your credit score. That's when they're going to start sending in the collectors, which is a situation you don't want to have happen. And then last step she has is that she wants you to separate your money. She believes that every person should have two checking accounts and two savings accounts. She also said that you should know what all the different kinds of institutions out there. You know, there's the old school banks that you have, and they're great because there's a person that you can go in and talk to. They're usually very friendly and they can help you in ways that online banks can't because there's a person right there that you can deal with. Online banks is a second kind of banks. And she said that those tend to be really good too. They tend to have less overhead because there's no real building. And so that might mean that they have better rates perhaps, or it may be that they have better online services because it's all they are. Keep in mind that it may be hard to actually get the attention of a real person. When I went through my refinancing, I was actually pretty surprised because I had heard some good things about some of these online services. But you know what? It was a place that was actually in my hometown that offered me the best rates. It was really crazy. And when the online bank couldn't believe it and asked me to send all the data that was out there, I showed them the details of the refinance I was getting. They were impressed and they couldn't beat it. And then the last one is a credit union. And I love credit unions. She loves credit unions too. They are nonprofit organizations, which means most of the money goes back into the organization itself. And that is used to give you better interest rates, better loan rates. And that helps you with getting the best types of deals that you can get when it comes to money. They even have some money markets, which are just some very safe, low interest counts. But the credit unions tend to have better rates on those too. 
So with these different accounts, she will use one of the checking accounts to deposit any sort of payments that are coming in. The second checking account is used to pay the bills. These are the ones where the money is going to come out. And that way you're protected in case something happens. For example, if you were to pay something and something got hacked, they couldn't get that much money because the only money that goes into that second checking account is just enough to cover your bills. So it's a lot safer than letting bill paying entities have access to your full checking account. She has one savings, which is used for the emergency savings. The last savings account is the one where the rest of the money goes. And if you wanted to buy something fun, your money would come out of this fourth account and then cover whatever it is that you're going to buy. And then she has a list of all the important things that you have to check when looking into a new bank. She has a little checklist there and it is really good. She suggests that you automate all your bills so that they pay online. And this is something that really helped me. A lot of times in my past, I had money to pay my bills. I was just so disorganized. I was late with them all the time. And so then I was racking up fees and struggling with problems that way. But now the world is so much better with these automated paying systems. I'm never late. I'm always on time. Every one of my bill pays the bare minimum amount so I don't run afoul with them. And so now I'm in great shape. And then I go in and try to pay off all of them. But she suggests not doing that. She says at all costs, retain control of your money. You don't want to just automatically schedule things. You always want to be in control of this so that you are telling your bank where the money goes, not that these companies are pulling the money from your account. Summary, get a good attitude about money. And you do that by learning exactly the lessons that you learned about money when you were younger. Two, create your first budget by making a money in list, a money out list, calculate how much money is left over, and then break them down into monthly savings. Figure out what the monthly budget is for your year. Assign categories to your expenses so you understand if they are bills, they are usage bills, or they are cash expenses. And then use her rules to figure out if you're not making enough money or you just have too many expenses. Three, go through your list of expenses and see ways that you can reduce the amount you're spending. Look for ways that you can increase your income. Then recalculate your savings, but go through this with a fine-tooth comb. Are there subscriptions you have that you no longer use? Are there ways that you can reduce the bills that you have already? Maybe refinance your house. Four, separate your funds. Make sure that you have a checking account for your incoming money, a checking account for your outgoing money, a savings account for your emergency savings, and then a savings account for everything else. Five, get automated. Make sure that when you pay your bills, you're using all the technology to get that done. Make sure that you're in control of those accounts and use notifications and everything else you can to get those bills paid out on time. Challenge. Start out with her first step of making a money in list, a money out list, calculate those expenses for every month, and then begin to categorize them. But get that very first budget in place. And now for our fun entertainment advice of the week. It comes from the TV show, Raising Hope. Bet, bet rich people never have to feel that sting. You should just take some money out of your new toilet jar. <sighs> 
You're saying we should take the money we're saving for a new toilet and spend it on pizza. Yeah, okay. I, I guess we could do that. Or, and this is just a suggestion, but maybe you could pay for it since you're rich. That's right. We know you're rich. I bet you could use your, your fancy gold credit card with a limit of $1,000 and, and buy all the pizzas in Natesville. You were right. This is uncomfortable and weird. And that's right. If you had money, like maybe $1,000 that you could put on a credit card, you could buy pizzas for everyone. Think of all the joy you would have with all the pizzas that you could afford. But sometimes it's better to dream big. Maybe have garlic bread too. All right, everyone, thank you so much. Have a great week. And make sure that you tell a friend about this podcast if you think it would help them out. <laughs>